I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. A couple of years ago, I bought tickets for something I thought would be quite fun. Well, it turned out to be the best fun I'd had all year. It was Little Welly, a three-kilometre obstacle course through mud and water, which tested and rewarded my children and me in a way that none of us had anticipated. And so I'm really excited that this episode of The Parenthood is sponsored by The Little Welly, one of my favourite family days out of the year. This unique family festival hosts the UK's largest obstacle course for children, full of muddy challenges in the great outdoors. The Little Welly lands in Kent in May and in Henley-on-Thames and Cheshire in June. So visit littlewelly.co.uk to find out more. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. The more I understand about being a parent, this fragile and daunting job of being a role model, a teacher, someone who nurtures and keeps our children safe while at the same time cultivating curiosity, the more I realize that happiness, true unadulterated contentment is rooted in how we as people perceive ourselves. Often we're harder on ourselves than anyone else in our lives. I often find myself berating myself over something pretty irrelevant, using language I'd never consider using to anyone else. In today's world, when the cult of perfection is challenging our children in a way no previous generation was, this is becoming more and more of an issue. So with me today, I've got someone who can speak with authority on the subject. Anna Martha is a psychotherapist, writer, speaker, and people pleaser in recovery, who through her writing has been searingly honest with her own experiences. Anna, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I've only really thought about the term of sort of people pleasing kind of recently. I've only kind of, you know, associated it with the name. But of course, it's behavior that I recognize in myself. I recognize Mm. in other people. I can totally see when people are saying something because they think I might want to hear that rather than it's their accurate opinion. What are the sort of general symptoms? What is people pleasing? How would you define it? Oh, how would I define it? That's challenging. Um, I would define it as how we change ourselves our needs our feelings the words we say the things we do the choices we make according to our concern about how it will be perceived by other people and that might also change from person to person absolutely you know you sort of might say one thing to one person you think they want to hear that but you know an hour later you might say something very different to someone else oh yeah yeah, so it's it's a constant kind of moving and changing of how we present ourselves to ensure that we're making people happy. 
And there's obviously a balance because there's there's kind of a balance between being a people pleaser, but also just being polite. I mean, I had this conversation with my son the other day about how you do occasionally say a white lie if you know, you think that being utterly truthful, like, for example, you go around to tea at someone's house, they've made a cake, and you don't really want a piece of cake. Mm. You say, of course, I'd love a piece. And Mm. you say, this is delicious. Thank you so much for making it for me. Even if you don't particularly like the cake, you're not going to go, actually, I don't don't really like it. Yeah, you know, where's that? Where's the difference there? And how do you convey that to children? Because that's quite a difficult thing. Yeah. I think as you know kindness is key really we can we can be honest with kindness we can also just be kind of gentle in the way that we say things but also yeah you're right sometimes we might just keep a little comment to ourselves because we want to honor that other person so you know that slice of cake that has been probably made with love and that's a gesture of I'm glad you've come to my house. I wanted to give you something. I've made this cake unless they, you know, might have bought it. That's also brilliant. Um, but it's it's just that consideration of that other person's feelings. But I think when it when it switches into kind of people pleasing is when we are kind of plowing over our own boundaries in order to please someone else. So I think it's really important to kind of communicate to children just most of this that we'll talk about is through modeling, really, just through them seeing us kind of be kind and considerate, but also that sometimes if our boundaries have been crossed, then that's where we will kind of honor that a little bit more in in how we approach it with someone and how we might, you know, say someone had made a cake and I'm trying to think of how that could ever be a bad situation. <laughs> But I guess, you know, it's it would be about going, uh, you know, and sort of accepting the cake and saying thank you so much, as opposed to going on and on and on about how amazing that cake was when you didn't like it, telling all your friends what a great baker this person is and she makes the best cakes, you know, sort of going over the top and then it becomes insincere as opposed to pragmatic and kind. You know what, I've actually just thought of a really good example. Um, In my recent pregnancy, I've discovered I can't have gluten at all. So if I was to not have told a friend that I could not, I can, I actually can't tolerate it. And I went to the house and they'd made this really beautiful cake. You know, would I want to people please and eat that cake knowing that it was going to make me quite unwell and just eat the cake to preserve their feelings? Or would I want to say, you know, oh my gosh, that cake looks so lovely. I'm, I'm really gutted. I just, I'm not able to eat that. I'm so sorry, but can I take some home for my kids? Mm. you know can I take some hay for my husband because they will be all over it yeah so it's oh it looks delicious I wish I could eat it rather than yeah just saying no thanks yeah yeah or just or just going ahead and eating it knowing that it's not right you know for you it's crossing a kind of a boundary of sorts medically maybe but yeah that you know maybe that's an example about the cake um, you wrote in one of your blogs, people pleasing is like being on a hamster wheel and not mm. being able to hop off when you're knackered. No amount of thank yous or compliments will ever satisfy an insatiable people pleasing hunger, but provide only momentary relief. Yeah. And that really does sort of put it in to perspective. If it's, you just need that constant affirmation yeah. that what you're saying is being well received a bit like a sort of shopping addiction. Yeah. Well, it is. It's an. It can be an addiction, and with shopping, you know, and with people pleasing, with all of these things, it's it's filling a hole. You know, it's that somewhere there's a deficit of something, and normally, 
with people pleasing that's that's that sense of validation and worth so you in and of yourself if you don't feel that you have inherent worth and value regardless of whether people like you regardless of you know how people look at you or what you have then you will always be needing something externally to fill that hole Mm-hmm. and people pleasing can be that and it has been for me re- in a in a really strong way and you know when I wrote about that I was writing about how I how I felt before and the more the more that we work on our own kind of sense of self and our self-esteem the less we are relying and needing like a drug the positive feedback and the from other people and knowing that we we are the ones that make them happy we haven't upset them we haven't hurt them you know that actually it's it's other people's being pleased with us that gives us that validation like that should be an extra on top of the fact that we know we're worth something as it is that yeah. if someone is pleased with us and that should be a nice warm feeling not not to be on an end or not that sends us in a tailspin or of, a relief or yeah or the number of times I've I've lain awake at night like like going over and over conversations I've had in my head where I think I might have upset someone or said something stupid or they haven't replied to my message so I'm reading into that that they're crossing me and you know that would eat away because mm. I would feel like I'm not worth their friendship if they're crossed with me like I'm I'm worth less if I've not made them happy mm. that desire to please which to some extent is inherent in all of us is not necessarily always a bad thing I mean no. to some extent yeah. wanting to make people happy is just you know it's kindness it's yeah. generosity it's it's what humans need you know yes. if you have a child that absolutely did not care mm. one iota what anyone else please they'd be a pretty nasty person yeah. um, but it's I guess that when it transforms into sort of needing it and I suppose that is then what's rooted in that self-worth so you can be a confident person you can thoroughly believe you're a good person and you're satisfied with the way you behave and still want to be kind to people but not go overboard but when you are not confident in who you are and you maybe think you're actually not an interesting person or not a good person or not a clever person whatever it is then you're kind of wanting that affirmation Mm. um, so much more than someone who is ultimately very very confident yeah so that 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 wanting to be kind and nice and please someone driven them by two very different things it's either you know I want to be I want to please you because I need you to be pleased with me and I'm scared that if I don't please you you won't like me you won't you know you you might reject me you might push me away you might I will feel unworthy I will feel worthless or in in the other way that that wanting to be kind and that wanting to please people is driven out of like wanting to honor them like wanting to preserve their feelings sometimes, you know, out of an overflow of, I know I'm, I have worth and I know you have worth and I, I want to honour, I want to honour that and I want you to see more of that. I it, suppose it's, it's really different. deeply rooted in control, isn't it? Oh yeah. That you're oh, in control so of the true. compliment and you're giving the compliment and you don't need anything back as opposed to giving the compliment and desperately needing something back. Yeah. Because actually, you know, you're right. It, it is so much to do with control because we can't ultimately control what someone else thinks about us. And we actually, we can't really truly know. And I sometimes think about how, you know, say one morning I saw a friend and I, we went for coffee and she was really grumpy. And I was sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, like she, she doesn't like me. I must have irritated her. Whereas what I wasn't to know was that maybe she had an argument with her husband just before she left the house. Or maybe she had like three hours sleep and was up all night with a, with a sick child 
you know, that it's, it's what we read into it. And if you think about another scenario, I might have met the same friend, you know, the next day and she hadn't had an argument with her husband and she was great and just normal and chatty. And I wouldn't have read anything into that. And I might act the same way, but please one person and not another Hmm. and that's not always to do with us it's often to do with where they're at we can't control that yeah and I guess all we can do is ask yeah if they're okay yeah yeah you're right you don't seem yourself today is is and then they have the chance to say actually you really annoyed me with that comment or to say oh god I wasn't gonna mention anything but I had a massive row with my husband and at least absolutely you know at least it's on the table rather than your brain plays tricks on us doesn't it oh we fill in all the gaps and if we have if we have a low sense of self-esteem and low sense of self-worth, you know, or we're lower down on that spectrum, because there's always a spectrum, everything's a spectrum, then we are more likely to read negative things into those spaces and into the things that aren't said or the look of someone, you know, when they walk past us, you know, they might not actually have seen us. They might be thinking of a horrible you know, I don't know, something that happened that morning, but we suddenly think, well, that's, that's me. That must be, what did I do? Did I bump into them without realizing, you know, we read into the gaps. And And it's so exhausting. It's so exhausting. So exhausting. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. So thinking about what we can as parents do preemptively to ensure that the children we're bringing up are going to find the challenge. And I think to some extent, all of us have a little bit of a people pleaser in us and uh, all of us struggle some much more than others with this, you know, not feeling confident enough that we are just good people and we are enough. Um, What could, you know, if, if we've got parents of little children listening who you know maybe aren't necessarily exhibiting signs of being you know chronic people pleasers is there anything we can do right from the beginning of that journey of parenthood to preemptively Mm. um you know just give them that confidence that we wish we had yeah absolutely so first of all I always say this is you know work on it on yourself you know address that internal dialogue that you were talking about earlier you know that because if we have a critical bully in our head that we're always trying to kind of please you know that's going to affect the way that that we treat ourselves and they see that but also massively I'm really trying to do this at the moment with my two my my two kids is not let any emotion be not okay you know, it's it's okay if, if we if certain behaviours are not all right. So it's okay if my four year old is angry and frustrated, but it's not okay if he then hits Charlie. You yeah. know, so 
I think there's I think it's been a cultural thing is to say you know don't don't get upset don't be cross you know don't don't be sad about this cheer up you know kind of positive mental attitude when actually you're saying to that child it's not okay for you to feel all those feelings you are far more acceptable to me when you are happy and like cheeky and affectionate and I think you know that's when this can start to creep in and we all do it like because you know I don't want my toddler to be cross and angry I I I want to protect him from those feelings but actually ultimately those are those are acceptable feelings for him to be feeling as he's navigating his way around feelings in the world and boundaries and but I guess just making every feeling okay you know I understand that you're cross about this but we still have to go to nursery or yeah I understand that you're angry and you're frustrated because Charlie has your Thomas tank engine but it's it's not okay to hit Charlie. Well, and actually asking that question, is hitting going to make you feel any better? Yeah. It's not going to mean that he's going to give it back. It's not going to mean that I'm going to tell him to give it back yeah. and be on your side. It's just going to make me cross with you, which is going to compound your anger. So even though that might be something that you really want to do, let's think about how we can make the situation into a better situation. Yeah. And let's think rationally about our actions. Absolutely. And the older that they are, the more conversation you can have around that. And it's not just one conversation. It's n- even though it may seem black and white to us, like hitting your sister is not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. You have to say it again and again oh, yeah. and again. Yeah. It's not like they <gasps> so don't get true. it. It's that you have to say it a thousand times before they half get it. Yeah, because they're caught in the emotion at that moment. You know, they're not thinking if I, if I hit my brother, what impact is that going to have? I'm going to get told off or he's going to cry. And I'm, you know, they are caught up in that emotion in that moment so it needs to be kind of yeah we might feel like a broken record mm. but it's that consistency you know and that consistency is so important but it is one of the most exhausting things about parenting and that's really where most of our energy goes to is is providing that consistency yeah when you're exhausted oh my gosh and it does <laughs> it comes at a cost it comes at a cost some days my husband gets home and I'm a bit grumpy and I say Taryn you know the grumpier I am some evenings when you get home the it probably means that I've been better, you know, at responding to the kids with consistency because it is flipping exhausting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I guess too, it's so powerful as a parent modeling that you're not always perfect, that you sometimes get angry and frustrated. And if you can kind of talk through that thought process, like you get a ticket from a traffic warden just as you're about to drive away and you go, it's so annoying. And then you can say to the kids at the back of the car, I honestly feel like hitting him, but that's just going to land me in even more trouble. So what are we going to do? Should we think about breathing deeply and yeah. see if that makes us feel a bit better? Or should we should we call him a silly name that only we can hear that might make us feel a bit better? I, I'm not saying that that is actually a very good model of, of, of behavior, but you know, something that yeah. maybe you can sort of acknowledge it as a team because telling your children using their emotions to illustrate a point is one thing but if you can use your emotions when they're no not emotional that sometimes makes it much clearer to them without you know so maybe hits home harder about you know the point you're trying to make absolutely absolutely yes oh gosh I remember a situation recently where I think I beeped a horn at someone and I think I just said oh you know idiot or something like that and I think Oscar said what did you say mummy you know so he's causing he's calling me into account now they do notice and then I had a little conversation I said 
you know, that man was just not being very patient. It would have been great if he'd have let mummy go past. I was just feeling a bit frustrated. You know, just, yeah, just verbalizing some of that with them so they understand the process as well of emotion and that you feel things and you get stuff wrong and you do things that maybe you shouldn't. Sometimes we say things, you know, if mummy and daddy have a bit of an argument or a few, share a few cross words, you know, letting them see then that kind of that, that reconnection again at the end of it so that they know that it's okay you know sometimes to to fall out or to disagree but Mm. actually ultimately there can be resolution Mm. and rather than just trying to protect them from you know every kind of negative bad feeling it just gives them that impression that really only the only ones acceptable are the nicer Mm. emotions I think that admission of vulnerability is such a powerful thing as a parent and I do find that like in our parents generation it was largely accepted that your parents you didn't show you when they were angry or sad like I never saw my parents cry ever and I have cried actually quite a lot in front of my children because life I couldn't help it and I genuinely feel that that has enabled me to have much more profound far-reaching conversations with them about how I really feel and I feel because I've shown them that vulnerability and I'm not always composed and perfect that they trust me more because they know that when I tell them I get that you feel angry they know that I get it they know that I've experienced fury and sadness and frustration as much as they because they've seen me experience it but they've seen me talk about it and I think if you're that parent that never shows that you're upset Mm. when you're talking about them being upset they can very easily say well you're never upset so you never cry so you probably never felt the way I feel but of course we all have yeah it's so important to be able to acknowledge how you're feeling and not always be perfect not always demonstrate that ideal behavior so that you can I mean we all know it the moment someone shows a bit of vulnerability to you if you don't know someone very Mm. well Mm. and you know they say oh my god I've got I don't know I've I've just had a miscarriage yeah. You suddenly have that yeah. connection with them, Absolutely. don't you? In, in, in an instant, they yeah. show that life isn't so glossy. And I think that is a really powerful thing to be able to engage with your children Absolutely. by admitting your vulnerability. Obviously, yeah. within reason. Yeah. It can be little things. But yeah. I've, I really firmly disagree with the you shouldn't show your kind of weaker side to your children I completely agree I agree that we should that we should show I agree with you disagreeing yeah that we should we should and and vulnerability you know the challenge of that is that so many of us and I've been in this space before in my imperfectionism that I've applied to my my me is that I'm not comfortable with my own tricky emotions you know that I have found it really hard to be vulnerable with people so that's been a journey that I've had to go on is taking those little risks of vulnerability and the assumption being that people will judge me or people that will run you know run a mile when they find out what goes on in my mind sometimes but actually putting that to the test and 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 realizing that you're not too much for people that you can be vulnerable and acceptable you know we have to go on that journey in ourselves so that we can feel comfortable with our own vulnerability so that we can show it to our children in that way because if you know if I feel like it's not okay for me to be feel kind of messy it's not okay for me to you know feel angry or hurt about that then I'm not going to be able to kind of communicate that in a healthy way 
Yeah, and teach your children then to empathise. Yeah. I posted something on Instagram, which was a note that my daughter Iona left me. I got a really nasty email from someone and it really upset me. It was totally uh, unexpected. And I cried in front of my kids. I cried actually quite a lot. And they were like, Mummy, what's wrong? I was like, and I sort of vaguely told them. Um, and that night Iona gave me a little mini whisper from her Halloween Aww. stash and a little note saying, Mummy, I love you so much. Please don't ever forget that. And I just How thought, beautiful. I'm so proud that I've taught my or someone has that my child can empathize and yeah and that I think is a really important skill and listen with this whole vulnerability thing yeah my son finds it difficult to cry in school and and part of me gets quite sad about that but I also think you don't necessarily want to share your vulnerability with the whole no. world I mean some yeah. people and do that, and great and for that them is okay but you know at least to know that within that family environment Absolutely. with close friends with a close group of people that you can say God, it's not all perfect. I'm yeah. definitely not perfect. This is here's how I screwed up today. And actually, that is going to give you the most strength of anything. Oh, that's, you know, if anything, it's the, mo- the most powerful thing is to have those people that you know, love you, know some of the worst things, the hardest things about you and your character, and to feel their love regardless and in spite of those things. You know, because it's enough for me to put out a post about kind of people pleasing vulnerability or postnatal depression and and you get a really lovely response and that's great but they they don't know the grumpy me or the you know the strung out me or the burnt out me that my husband does in some really close friends of mine so it's actually the love and the affirmation and the comfort that I get from those people that actually know more about me because they've seen my they've just seen me kind of my vulnerabilities and my strengths and they love me in spite of and in knowledge of those things and I suppose too you know we talked about you know compliments when they're not deserved and wanting to people please um and thinking right I'm walking into a situation where I feel a bit unconfident I'm going to tell everyone how great they look regardless of how they look actually I think it's much more powerful to go into that situation and talk about your own vulnerability go oh god I nearly didn't come tonight Absolutely. because a really heavy period Absolutely. and it just you know that is going to make people like you a lot more than yeah. going, oh, I love your shoes when you know your shoes are pretty gross and holy and yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's kind of an easy yeah. technique. I think, you know, actually by that first engagement being about how you don't actually feel so great or how yeah. you haven't actually been so perfect today. I think that's so much better start for a friendship or for a conversation yeah. or for genuine empathy. It calls than, it out of other people as yeah. well. You know, if someone says something on it, you know, it's like with mums, you know, you sit around and you're kind of just getting to know each other and everyone's kind of talking about how many peas their baby's done that day and, you know, how many feeds and what routine they're on. And, and you know... For someone just to sit there and go, you know, I just have no, I feel like I've got no flipping clue what I'm doing. And then suddenly that conversation shifts from everyone feeling like everyone else is doing okay. So they've got to kind of meet that level to just a deeper level of honesty of how everyone's, you know, we're all just making it up as we go along. And that's where, that's where those relationships and those connections are formed through vulnerability I wonder why because I see often that some of the most intense friendships are formed just after women have babies with their antenatal groups and these women often go on to being sort of lifelong friends and I wonder why I'm just thinking out loud whether it's because life is so flipping hard when you've just had a baby that you have to share your vulnerabilities and this might very well be the first group you've ever done that with and it sort of fast tracks that intensity of relationship and that's why those relationships end up often being like suddenly you've got 14 best friends yeah even though you've only known them for six yeah. months because you know what tiredness and sleep deprivation and 
life shift and life change and all of those things, they really challenge our filters. You know, because when I am tired or really hungry or really burnt out, I just can't keep some of the truths in. You know, (laughs) it might be written on my face that I am just not liking this situation or, you know, it challenges our filters. We, We become more open yeah because actually holding those holding those kind of like holding those those masks up is actually really tiring it's really draining and so many of us do it for so much of our life and also it makes us a bit stilted people can Mm. see through those masks yeah honestly if I know immediately if someone tells me my hair's looking great and I know it's not I can tell immediately and I immediately think I can't trust you you haven't told me the truth I want authenticity. Yeah. I don't want, I, I don't need to be told whether my hair looks nice or not. Yeah. Yeah. There's the idea, and I think this particularly resonates then as your children get slightly older, that they want to fit in. They want to be the same. And I think a really crucial message is it's okay to be different. It's okay to have a different opinion. It's okay to like different things. It's okay not to love the greatest showman if all your class just yeah. want to sing it the whole time and actually prefer. I don't know, whatever it is else. Um, How do we have those conversations with our children? And how important is it that we have them with them? Oh, it is important. And I think, you know, the more that relationship is kind of, the more you talk about these things, these feelings, you know, the more that feelings are okay, then they can come and they can say, I find it really hard that I'm not like that person. I find it really hard that I don't like that thing. You know, I feel left out. You know, so they can they they will be then more able to talk with you about some of the emotions that come with feeling left out, mm. feeling not like you're one of the in crowd. But also, you know, again, modeling your okayness in your quirks and your, you know, slight inadequacies in areas and your, you know, I'm really clumsy. I used to say, I used to it used to really upset me because I break I break things. I walk into doorways, you know. <laughs> I oh I will break a glass just by putting it down on the work surface. And it used to, oh, my internal dialogue would be like, you, you stupid idiot. You can't even just simply put a glass down without smashing it. And I think the more I've come to appreciate that part of myself, that's just, that's just me. There's not really anything I can do about that. I can try and be careful. But, you know, and, and if the children see that, you know, my ridiculous sense of humor that not everyone laughs at, some people do. You know, for them to see me still just being myself, regardless of whether it's everyone's cup of tea or regardless of whether everyone laughs or just, do you know what? So I just mean modeling your quirks, your enjoyment of those and your acceptance of those. And again, that's some work that we need to do often in ourselves is is coming to that place of acceptance Mm. that we're not like everyone else, Mm. that everyone else isn't like everyone else either, really. We're all just trying to fit in. Yeah, I think... The problem, I mean, obviously, I think the parents modeling that behavior is the most important. But often, I think you get to a stage with the children and they just kick back against you and they yeah. don't want to be like you. Yeah. So actually you're going, oh, look, I'm dorky. And I, yeah. and they're just like, I know you are. And I really don't want to be like you. So I guess it might also be sort of looking for those quirks in their role models and maybe yes. encouraging their role yeah. models to be the slightly different people, which to be honest, I think do think kind of people in the public eye are better at, you know, really? celebrating yeah. their vulnerabilities yeah. and and talking about how they weren't always like that. Um, and maybe sort of digging out those stories. And I had a really interesting conversation with my son about 
um, about children that find like school and work and academia easy and children that don't. And actually, it's not the children that find it easy that are necessarily going to end up doing the best in life. And, no. you know, I was I was um, looking at sort of some of the entrepreneurs like Richard Branson. He was he didn't fit in anywhere. Mm. He didn't mm. fit in. He left school at 16. But he wasn't afraid to do things his own way. And he ended up building this empire that is stratospherically successful. And at school, they all thought he was going to end up in jail. You yeah. know? And I think that kind of story is, is yeah. really, really important. And, and actually, you look at some of the most successful disruptors you know, in, in our generation and in previous generations. Um, and they were the ones that you know, were not the predictable kind of you know, jocks who were in every team. And I think that's such an important message to get across to children. Absolutely. Because I think we, you know, all of us can just get so seduced by the the shiny package at the end of it that we see. And and that's, we don't kind of think much beyond that. Yeah. And that's not the reality of it. It's difficult when life tells you, like in school, you know, it's so formulaic who the popular ones are. And we as adults can see that that's not necessarily great qualities to have. But it's difficult sometimes as a parent to go, well, I was, you know, the dorky child and the mother's, the child's like, well, I just don't want to be like you. Whereas maybe if it's their cool aunt or your slightly glamorous friend or, you know, someone, there's a story, an interview with someone or a podcast with someone where they're talking about how life wasn't always so rosy. That's a really powerful thing because they see this person who they do aspire to and they think back to what they were like. And I think that's got to be really empowering. Absolutely. I mean, when I was growing up, Hugely people just empowering. didn't really talk about that. No. It was all the kind of glossy veneer of perfection. Um, and so I think it was much more difficult. But nowadays, actually, oh, yeah. people are more honest. Yeah. And there's so much story that you can go through, especially online. You know, you can dig back and find out old, um, rehe- you know, old rehe- YouTubes of rehearsals of that person singing. And, you know, it's kind of crackly and, mm. you know, they look very different. And, and it just seeing that journey and seeing that, that isn't the only, the finished product isn't all that there ever was. Kind of, yeah, just digging around for a bit more story mm. and a bit more, a bit more of the kind of the gritty, the real. The... And maybe rebranding different. Like different to yeah. me is so, such a positive. Yeah. But I think for a lot of children, yeah. you know, oh, she's just a bit different. Like that should be amazing because yeah. same is just bland and boring and sort of carbon copies of one another I think we almost need to celebrate different is is a, a real accolade yeah you oh. know same I think is boring yeah and we can do that in the culture of our home so that that does kind of implant something in mm-hmm. them even if in the school context they don't want to be different mm. you know but if they have underneath it all this this acknowledgement that they are valued for who they are. So mm. at least they can go home and feel that they are accepted and loved and cherished for all that they are, no matter how, you know, different that is. Then that's, a, you know, that's going to be an oasis away from away from that school, that school kind of context as we're using that example. And that, you know, that we, we can't, we can't forget how important that is. That message of unconditional love. And I think, you know, I examine constantly, like, what is it to be a parent? Why is that relationship with with different to any other relationship you have? And I do think it's the only relationship you'll ever have with anyone who will love you unconditionally. Your parents will love you kind yeah. of whatever happens yeah. Yeah. and like that won't ever happen again in your life with your partner with the person yeah. you marry you have Very to keep on true. working up Very working true. with that relationship. And if you behave like a total ass, they're not gonna 
they, they might well stop loving you whereas your parent you just have that bond and I think it's really important to remind your children of that because that's not always mm. obvious mm. I think very often our behavior even though we do love them unconditionally you know we might get really consistently annoyed with them you're just like saying to your child you're just so annoying to your sister every you always annoy her and they're seeing that sort of criticism 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 yeah. and they might well think mommy doesn't like me yeah because I haven't conformed because I haven't done what she wanted me to do she doesn't like me okay so maybe I do start to have to conform maybe I do have to do what people want me to do but that's not the message you're trying to, to yeah. give you're yeah. saying just stop being really irritating yeah. But reminding them, like, I'm your mother. I will love you whatever you do. So please don't be afraid to mess up. And don't be afraid to tell me if you mess up. Yeah. And that's yeah. such an important message. I think it's important to be verbalized. Oh, absolutely. Because I think, you know, children can know they are loved. But knowing and feeling are two very different things. I, I might know that my parent love, loves me. But actually, there might be times when I don't feel like I'm lovable. Mm you know, and they're crossed with me, that, that kind of that, that sense of that, like, love is just kind of disrupted. It's not felt in that moment. And that's completely, you know, that's completely normal. But I think, yes, you're right, talking about it and finding ways to, to kind of cap it off at the end. It was just like a little, like I say to Oscar often at night, you know, I love you when you're happy. I love you when you're sad. I love you when you're cheeky. I love you when you're naughty. I love you when you're grumpy. I love, you know, I love you all the time. And I remember the first time. I even of- love it when you flood the house yes. and I have to get the fire engine. I still love you. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man. I'm sure there are going to be many challenges to that and things to add on to it when, uh, as they grow up. But, um, you know, I remember he's a, he's a little sweetheart. He's a sensitive little soul. And I can see people pleasing traits in him. And, um, you know, I remember saying that to him the first time, like about a year ago. And he goes, really? You, lo- you love me when I'm grumpy? And I'm like, of course I love you when I'm grumpy. But it might just be that I've responded enough times in irritation and like frustration at his grumpiness that in that moment, he doesn't feel very lovable. Yeah, absolutely. Children don't know what we're thinking. They no. know what we're saying, but they don't necessarily know that we're and thinking. And they know how we, we make them feel. Mm. And often, you know, we'll say things knowing how we think, but that's not necessarily coming across in what we say. And all they're doing is hearing what we say and not reading our thoughts. Yeah. So very often what you say comes out wrong or the, yeah. the whole kind of bigger picture has changed to something that's quite inaccurate. I teach these antenatal classes and at the end of the class, uh, at the end of the kind of course of eight, I kind of try and break it down. And I always just say, end up saying like, as a mother, there are so many people telling you so many things that you have to do to be a good mother. But I think that if the one thing you do is that your child understands that you love them unconditionally, then you've kind of, you've nailed it as a mother. Yeah. And I do think if you yeah. start with that, that's probably the most important thing to to be really clear about. And, you know, and it's not about telling them once or twice. It's about, like we said before, that constant reminding, like, you know, I love you. You know that whatever you do, I will love you yeah. because I am programmed to love you unconditionally. And just remind that, to them you know remind them of that yeah. as much as possible and it that feels like acceptance doesn't it unconditional love feels like I am accepted you've seen the worst and the best of me and you still love me it it teaches you that you are acceptable and I think that's what a lot of this people pleasing is about you know as adults we feel that we have to do or say or override our own needs in many ways to be acceptable to people mm. I mean there's that whole, 
you know, that whole idea. And I think it takes a strong person to disagree. So if all you're in, even if I was sitting at a table of people and we're talking about whatever it was, you know, whether or not you should eat meat. And they're all agreeing in one thing. Mm. And you say, actually, I kind of, I kind of disagree with that. You don't want to start an argument. You don't want not to be friends with them. But I kind of feel you need to be able to express your opinion in an unconfrontational way. And also not get offended by what they're saying. Because actually, that starts a really interesting conversation. Yeah, it does. And I think so often people are afraid of disagreeing with people because they think that it's going to end up with a fight or animosity or they're not going to like you or respect you. They won't invite you back. I mean, honestly, some of my best friendships... We have very different views about things. And, but we have great conversations around them that sometimes do get quite heated. And you sort of mm, pick and choose those mm. times. But I think it's a really important message to give to your children that just because you don't have the same views on something that even if you feel quite passionate about, it doesn't mean you can't still really enjoy each other's company. Yeah, it's kind of like the grown up version of what we were saying about the kids at school. You know, I need to be like them to fit in you know it's the same it's like the adult dinner party version of actually I'm sitting here and I really don't like personally I don't agree with that but I'm not going to say I'm going to swallow that down I'm not going to use my voice because I don't want to be different Mm. I don't want to be seen as disagreeing I don't want to upset someone or offend someone or Mm. when actually your voice is just as valuable as theirs even if you're saying something different Mm. and you're right I think seeing them how seeing letting them see us have some of those conversations and doing it in a really respectful way and also expressing to your friends that I'm not going to just I don't think you're stupid because you eat meat and I prefer not to and Mm -hmm. you're barbaric Mm -hmm. you know I I respect that that's your choice you know Mm -hmm. it's okay I respect our difference here Mm -hmm. but this is my opinion Mm -hmm. and that's just as valuable and you're obviously picking and choosing your times yeah you know there are times when we're all like I'm not going to get into this you know I have a real thing about people leaving their car engines on and idling and I like I always go up to cars in the street and I'm really polite and I always say excuse me would you mind if I if you turned your engine off and Ben's like Marina please don't do that at midnight <laughs> when like you're walking down the street like just oh, gosh. pick and choose yeah. your time yeah and so I think we do need to teach that to our children yeah. too you know yeah. be passionate yeah. yeah but it just because you might just sort of take a deep breath and not say anything doesn't mean that you're no. weak it means you're pragmatic yeah and maybe you'll have that conversation with a different group of friends because you know that they're more open and responsive to a different point of view. Whereas you might, you know, might be someone that you think, oh gosh, I'm just not even going to go there with Mm. them because they are actually like really staunch in their opinion. And there will be no, you know, that respect and that kind of that honor might not be Mm. there. And also if you voice your disagreement about something, it's not that you have to win everyone over. No. They, you might well just say, I totally, you know, I really respect your view, but it's just not my view. And that's fine. That's great because they respect your view and they've understood it, but doesn't mean they necessarily agree with it. It's a bit like saying, I like pink. Well, I like green. You don't want everyone else to be liking green. Otherwise mm-hmm. you failed. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, that sort of agreeing that we're all different yeah. and embracing that and celebrating that. Absolutely. And we can take little risks in that all the time. Like I often encourage clients to think, you know, what is it that you're not saying? Like what need? Like, I, I often use kind of, you know, the tube. If you're, if you're really tired and you're not feeling great and you really actually you need to sit down, you know, could you ask someone, you know, could you take that little risk of vulnerability and saying, I've got a need here that I'm 
that I could express or could not express. Or if you go to someone's house and they've forgotten to offer you a glass of water and you're really thirsty, mm. you know, many people might just be like, oh, I can't ask because then I'll draw attention to the fact they've forgotten and I don't want them to feel bad. And, you know, or or do you just go, oh, um, I'm just going to grab a glass of water because I've just do you want me to get you one as well? And then they might say, oh, I'm just so sorry, I, for- I completely forgot. And you're like, oh, it's fine. I, I do that all the time. You know, so it's it's choosing little opportunities to start kind of taking those risks in speaking out some of our feelings and needs. And it might be one of those, you know, I'm at a dinner table, everyone's talking about this and I've got a different opinion. It's on the tip of my tongue. Like, what what would it be like if I actually, like, put it out there yeah and then you find out you know it, it normally gets really affirmed that yeah you know they don't just all get up and and, and leave you well they think you're interesting and they're well, like yeah wow, and they add va- a, you've got a point there absolutely and it you know that adds value to your voice mm-hmm. and hopefully will kind of increase that sense of confidence and increase that sense of like you know what? I don't have to please everyone in having the same opinion as them Mm. well and also I think very often if you have a need and you don't voice it and then no one meets your need you often become resentful yeah but you've never articulated it so it's probably your fault in the first place like for example that example on the tube you're pregnant but newly pregnant everyone's sitting down reading looking at their phones you're desperate for the seat you don't say anything you have you know you're really tired it's the last thing you needed you'd like it's a lot of them yeah whereas if you'd said excuse me I'm actually pregnant could I have your seat they usually get up and go I'm so sorry of course you must have my seat you know why would you not do that yeah well and you know it's fear it's mm. that again it's that fear. but what are they going to do what's the worst that can happen well they're going to get up and slap you in the face because yeah. you're pregnant and you should yeah, yeah. They, they will Hopefully not do not. that but I think you know <laughs> And this is where where we get our value from comes into it do we get our value from the way that people are with us you know, whether they're always agreeing with us, whether they'll, you know, will ask for something and they will meet that need. Mm. Like, do we take that as right, I have value? Or doesn't it matter? Like if one person says, oh, actually, I'm really tired too. Like, it's not my fault you're pregnant. You know, is that going to make you feel worth less? No, it'll make you feel worth more because they're clearly yeah. an idiot. Well, yeah, it would make, <laughs> make me irritated. <laughs> Um, one of the things I want to talk about about is apologizing because I definitely yeah. find myself as a parent constantly saying to my children apologize apologize mm-hmm. apologize like you really mean it not sorry you know actually yeah. look your brother in the eye and say I'm really sorry I shouldn't have done that and I, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean to hit you I hope you're okay mean it but then I think on the other on the other hand a lot of people pleasing is so constant apologizing true. for stuff that you don't need to apologize over and yet we feel that we should and yeah. and so essentially we're we're modeling inauthentic apologizing which yeah. is the one thing we're trying to, our ch- to it's get like our a children colloquial to thing in our country is we just say we apologize for everything and i think part of it is to disempower any potential offense you know if you say sorry before you've actually offended someone then they can't be cross with you Mm. you know so part of it's trying to control the response from other people but part of it is that we just do feel really sorry all the time like (laughs) I remember a woman banging like banging into me with a trolley in the supermarket and I was like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry as if I'm apologizing for being there you know and then she was saying sorry and it was just kind of this entangled sorry but actually the other day Oscar bumped into me no, I bumped into him and he apologized and I thought, oh, Oscar, you didn't, you didn't mean to do that. It was mummy. I, you know, and I think just having, again, having those little conversations with them, but also being really careful of the children overhearing 
when we might apologize to another parent about our child mm-hmm. you know yeah that's what you because I think you know I do that yeah, sometimes. I'm sorry like, I'm so, so sorry he's just he's really grumpy today I don't know what's going on you know I'm really you know apologizing for them in front of other people I do think saying sorry sometimes does make your life a bit easier even it if does. you don't mean it I mean I was yes. like the other day um I was at the bump class people coming in it was pouring with rain they're all wet slippery and I was like oh, I'm sorry it's raining and it's not my fault obviously yeah. that it's raining but you know I'm confronted with people whose morning hasn't gone off to the great start and actually if someone's like oh I'm sorry it's, it's almost like you're acknowledging that's miserable old morning. It, exactly. you know there's something yeah. compassionate in that and I yeah uh, I went to the co-op the other day and I I needed some cash back and he goes Oh, I'm so sorry. The the cash machine around the corner is broken. So everyone's been coming in here and taking all our cash. I don't have any left. I who's really apologetic. And me being me, I was like, Oh, did you did you break the cash machine yourself? And he was like, No, no, I didn't break it. And I was like, Oh, you don't you know, I completely understand. It's fine it's absolutely fine. You don't need to apologize. And I do that very occasionally, but only when I it's when we say sorry, we're taking responsibility. Mm. And there's, you know, it's are we saying sorry to take responsibility in a moment that actually is not our responsibility? We actually haven't done anything wrong. Or is it just driven out of compassion? You know, like what you, the example that you give, which is, I just think it's one of those things it's worth thinking about. And it might be that we choose to say sorry anyway, even though we've done nothing wrong. But we're aware that we're not saying sorry for, I'm sorry for taking up space. Mm. I'm sorry for having an opinion or a need. I'm sorry, you know, or... I need, have you got a glass of water? I'm really sorry. I'm so sorry. Have you got some, you know, have you got a glass of water? Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's the sorry for? about your opinion and who you are. It's, you know, because very yeah. often your opinion is prefaced with, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but yeah. are you really sorry to say this? Or are you actually really proud to say this? Yeah. Pretty proud that you've thought about it and really proud that you have the guts to say it. Yeah. Rather than apologizing for having an opinion. It's it's just one of those things that once you think about, you start seeing where you do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just worth thinking about. I'm not saying that we should never say sorry when someone bumps into us. You know, it's just a little exchange. But what are we saying about ourselves in that moment? And it's just worth thinking about. Mm. One thing that for me is is just so appealing is that that authenticity that we talked about, you know, not being afraid to speak your own mind in a non-confrontational way, but, you know, having the kind of confidence and the guts and the, uh, you know, and, and the language to say, actually, I'm not sure that is quite right. I kind of feel differently. That in itself is really appealing. Mm. You know, if someone says to me, if I say to someone, what do you think of my trousers? And they're like, one person goes oh they're lovely I love them they're the best trousers I've ever seen so nice I'm definitely gonna buy them myself or someone goes honestly like actually I don't think they're my favorite trousers I think you could have maybe gone for a different color or Mm. I like that second person way more than the first person who just you're respecting their authenticity they have opened up and honest it's the honesty they've opened up and been honest they've taken a risk actually because you might then turn around and be like what what do you but you know (laughs) But you might my turn and be offended, but actually what's going on in them is they're saying, I, I'm giving my honest opinion because I, even if you're offended, it doesn't make my opinion less valid. It doesn't make me worth less. Well, and also they've asked your opinion, yeah. haven't they? And it's not like they've said, you know, look at my trousers. Okay, I've looked at them. But 
I don't know. It's something I always think about. I really value my relationship with my sisters because I do feel that in the whole world mm. of all my friends, they're the, they, they are the most honest with me. And I think that's because we're sisters and yeah. because we fought and, you know, we're super honest with each other right from the word go. But that definitely has made that relationship probably richer than any other relationship I have with anyone else because I know that whatever happens, what, however bad the news, I know they'll be honest with yeah. me. And that is so yeah. helpful in it's life, trust, isn't it? isn't it? It's that trust. Is that I trust you, to be honest. Well, it gives you such power. And I trust you that you love me enough, to be honest. Because it Mm. is a risk. Mm -hmm. It is a risk. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, a lot about people pleasing is really that we give other people the power to tell us what we're worth. You know, if someone's angry with me, then I'm someone that makes people angry with me. You know, if they think I failed, then I'm a failure. If they find me annoying, I am annoying. You know, it's saying, you tell me about me and I will take that on and I will see that as truth and it will, it will make me feel less. And actually, you know, as we take risks in being more authentic and finding ourselves, you know, a lot of the time accept- acceptable to others, maybe sometimes a bit controversial, you know, we start to believe that actually, you know, me in and of myself, I, I'm a, I am okay, I don't need that person to love me. I don't need that person to, you know, this is a challenging thing about social media is that not everyone will love what I say. And at the beginning, I found that like, oh, oh no. Like I, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I'm not saying it right. But actually, you know, we always hone in on the person that has an issue, don't we? You know, we apply a lot of power and value to that. And I think a lot of this is just about taking that power back and and choosing who you let speak over you like that you know you choose your sisters to tell you about who you are because you trust them Mm -hmm. and you know they're authentic but letting so and so down the street who I don't even know the name of that gives me a dirty look because I'm breastfeeding my daughter in the street you know the faceless person on Instagram yeah giving them the power to make me feel worthy or not worthy It's, it's a huge thing to do just to be frittering that power away yeah to anyone and everyone who actually don't even know you yeah I love that I love that idea that just because someone finds you annoying does not mean mm. you're annoying and I actually think that's such an important just thing just because someone to say to doesn't children. love you doesn't mean you're unlovable just because that person doesn't like you doesn't mean you're unlikable yeah doesn't but that's what we do in people pleasing is in that moment we're saying you need to tell me by your response to me whether I'm okay or not, whether I'm likable. Because if you say I'm likable, in this moment, I'm going to believe I'm likable. And that's the addictive side of it. That's the kind of, you know, we will feel good or bad dependent on how that person treats us. If you're nice to me and I feel liked by you, I will feel likable. I will feel like a nice person. If you're not, I won't. And we're just then on this roller coaster of we're worth something we're not worth something we're worth something we're not worth something and it's back to the control isn't it it is it's back to the control that you hand out compliments when you really want them to you apologize when you really feel that you need to apologize and that you are in control about whether or not you're a good person it's not what other people think of you it's you Mm. and it's also most of the time I think that's the other thing yeah you can't be good and perfect the whole time you can't always say the right thing the whole time but if you do it most of the time and you acknowledge Mm. when you do screw up you know perfect and that's authenticity and that's what the children will see in us you Mm. know if we can be authentic to how we're feeling and yes sometimes we have to kind of temper it and we have to kind of you know withhold some 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 of it you know if I'm just literally like so mad I'm like oh my gosh I want to break something I won't 
because you know I'm containing myself but those feelings are still there and they're probably still visible in a way and I might verbalize it a little bit with the children to help them understand mum is really tired and grumpy today because Florence woke me up in the night quite a lot you know and just to to make it that it's acceptable to feel like that mm-hmm. Anna I could chat all day <laughs> <laughs> me too with um, you. I totally see why your Instagram account is so popular I totally see why your courses are so popular um if you want to find out a little bit more about Anna do have a look at her website it's annamartha.com uh, which is spelt um, m-a-t-h-u-r I'll put it on my Instagram and you do courses don't you you do one stuff uh what, what what sort of topics so do you I have their three-week courses it's 10 minutes a day it alternates between a bit of a text to read and a journaling a day for a few journaling points and I have the people pleasing course and I have the reframing anxiety course because I'm really God. passionate well, that's about a whole nother yeah, topic. that's a whole nother topic <laughs> definitely I'd love to chat about anxiety um thank you so much thank for coming you. along thank today. you for having me thank you all for downloading another episode of the parenthood don't forget to subscribe rate and review us it makes a huge difference to our listenership boosting us in the iTunes charts and helping new listeners find us you can also follow me on Instagram I'm at marina.fogel where I talk about what I'm up to next and you can let me know what you want me to record next but in the meantime thanks for listening and for from Anna and me. Goodbye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.